we know from what has been written in this Bible that in spite of our eloquence in prayer, we don't even know what we are praying for. This book is just tremendous. We have wholeheartedly obeyed the new teaching and trusted you. If God had not breathed into Adam's nostrils, Adam would have remained just a lump of dust. How should we then treat the Bible? All of us are sinners, saved only by grace. For worship, we were created. And for worship, we should ever live. Jesus died for our sins. And so, now that we have put our faith in him, he takes away our sins. I wish you God's blessings this morning as we gather once again in the presence of our Lord. As we sit at the feet of Jesus, in fact, to hear his words as he speaks to us the word of life, the word of wisdom. I pray, Lord, that you'll be with us. And the words you're going to speak to us this uh, morning will be a blessing to us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, um, I would like to remind you that we are re reading from the book of Romans and we are still engaged in the study of Romans chapter 8. Today we are going to read verses, chapter 8 of Romans, verses 18 to 27, and which deals with the promise of our future glory. Last Sunday we talked about our suffering in this world that is inevitable, that is to be expected as Christians. The world is actually hostile um, to us all, to, to every living creature. One thing we need to keep in our minds is that we live in a fallen world. And so the sufferings that we talked about last Sunday will continue to be our portion until we will leave this world, either through death or through the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, who will take us all who believe in him to our eternal dwelling place. That is what we are talking about uh, today, uh, our future glory. Our future glory according to the book of Romans chapter 8 verses 18 to 27. Uh, shall we read? <clears throat> the Apostle Paul says, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, 
who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But the hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he, is already, what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not have, yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the sins in accordance with God's will. Amen, amen, and amen. Once again, the, the topic is our future glory. Now, as we continue our study of Romans chapter 8, let us keep in mind what Paul has been saying in the preceding chapters. In chapter 7, for instance, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle, talked about his desperate inner struggles with sin and his incapacity to help himself. We did agree then that Paul's experience is actually the shared experience of us all Christians throughout the world and throughout uh, church history. Last Sunday, we did note with gratitude that God does not leave us to struggle with our sins or even with our doubts by ourselves, not even with our sicknesses. On the eve of his departure from this world, for example, Jesus promised his disciples that he was not going to leave them like orphans. He would not leave them alone, but he would send them another helper, another counselor, another comforter, namely the Holy Spirit of truth, who would dwell in, in the hearts of the disciples permanently. Now, Christ came uh, and he was with his disciples for three years. But when the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus promised, he would not come, he would be coming to stay permanently in the lives, not with now, but in the lives of the disciples. And, by the, and, and, and what was promised to the disciples is also our promise, who are Christ's disciples today? Now, the theme of chapter 8, I would say, is, is the happy confirmation of the presence in this age and the coming age of the Holy Spirit in the lives of those who believe in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. 
And this gift therefore belongs to us as much as it belonged to the disciples of Jesus Christ and also to the early church and to Paul's audience. But this is not all there is. There is much more. Apart, and a part, of the, a part of the Holy Spirit's work is to help us in our struggles and also to intercede for us, as we have read in the scriptures. All our struggles and persecutions in this world have both uh, a present and for future benefits. That is, our struggles in this world at the present time have benefits for us who suffer in this world and much more in the world to come. Our troubles in this world, we are told here, do result in our learning and practicing to be, to persevere, to, be, to persevere in times of want, in times of need, in times of sickness, in times of persecution, in times of rejection, even at the point of death, to persevere. Even as we wait for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, as he promised, and our glorification uh, at the time of his coming, it is then that our salvation will be made complete. For now, what we have, even the, the presence of the Holy Spirit, is ours in part. Even our knowledge is in part. And Christ said that to his disciples, he had much more to tell them, but if he did, they would not understand it at that time. And so it is today. There is much more that we need to learn, but if it was given us now, it would be just too much. And so we need to wait until the right time for all that, all that we need to know um, uh, is to be when uh, you know when when all we need to know will be revealed to us. But Paul here says that we shall be glorified, never again to sin, never again to die. Let us give glory to God, our blessed Savior. That there is a promise, there is a hope that our struggles with our flesh, our struggles in this world will come to an end someday and we shall be free to live as God intended for us to live at the beginning. Now in verses 19 to 25, in the meantime, Paul says, the entire creation groans as during childbirth. The creation groans and moans as it happens during childbirth. And he says, Christians, the followers of Jesus Christ, those who are waiting for his coming, we groan 
and the, the, the weight of the struggles and the pains of this world as we wait for Christ to come and bring eternal deliverance. Clearly, Adam's sin and his fall from grace has also affected nature, the, or the natural world. And all that, that means all that is created, living, you know, and non-living. And it is not only living creatures that uh, have suffered, but all nature, I, 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 I want to underline that, including the earth itself. Look at the weather patterns, very unpredictable. Look at the natural, um, I mean, natural depletion of the natural resources. Um, and, and look also at the scarcity of water and the, and the drought of uh, desertification. Look at the depletion also of the forests, you know, the, and, and, and the natural cover, you know, of, of the soil. Look at the general environment itself. It is almost becoming unsupportive of our existence. It's being, the air is being poisoned by industry and agricultural chemicals and all manner of stuff. The fumes, you know, from vehicles and the industries and all that. Now, yet we groan in our sufferings as we wait for our, our ultimate uh, redemption. And isn't it really wonderful? Isn't it amazing? Does it mean that the creation has a sense of its own? I mean, the, the, the creation uh, generally, I'm talking about um, excluding human beings. Does it mean they have some understanding, some sense, some feeling? Well, I don't know whether Paul is talking figuratively. I don't know whether he's taking advantage of what uh, used to call some years back in, in my school days as poetic license. Is creation sensitive to the consequences of its life such that it groans in expectation of liberation? Well, it is written here. And so it is, for me, it is the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. But as a creation groans, Christians also groan. Verse, verse 23, uh, going forward. We also groan inwardly as we wait for adoption, adoption as sons of God. As sons and daughters of God, I should say the redemption of our bodies. That means that the salvation we enjoy now is only in part and not yet complete. As we saw in Paul's struggle with sin uh, in the last chapter, he blames his body for his troubles and seeks help to overcome the weaknesses of his flesh. The good news is Help is on the way. 
help indeed is available, and not just for poor, but for us all. So let's look at what is called uh, Christian hope. Of course, it's a huge subject. We can only touch it uh, very, in a very shallow manner. The Christian hope. Christian hope. The, so the answer to this, what I've just said, this anticipation, the answer is what is called the Christian hope. The, um, the Christian hope, um, Paul is, uh, alludes to, to, to Christian hope in verses 23 and 24 when he says that we Christians groan inwardly as we wait to be liberated from the oppressive burden of our, of our sinful bodies, you know, the, 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 the oppression of our, um, of our flesh in exchange for a new glorified body. Now one may want to ask oneself, what will this glorification of our bodies look like? Uh, Paul gives us some clues in, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where he says that um, while the body of flesh that we have now is weak and perishable, the new bodies that shall be given to us at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ will be imperishable. They will be powerful, they will have power, and without the weaknesses of the body of flesh that we have presently, they will be glorious bodies. That means we shall have glorified and perfect bodies. I believe sincerely that this is what God intended from the beginning. I believe that is how uh, was created with a glorified body until he fell from grace due to sin. And so when sin is finally removed, we shall then uh, uh, attain our default creation, uh, I mean characteristics, our, our nature. Now, in the meantime, Paul says the spirit groans. So not just nature, not just the creation alone, but the spirit also groans, even as we groan. But it is not just the creation, it is not just ourselves who groan, I have said. The spirit of God also groans. And why? Let us remember that the Holy Spirit is the agent of our creation right from the beginning. And he watched as the man that that, that he had created in his own image, stretched out his hand and ate the forbidden fruit, and thereby falling from grace and being separated from God. But thanks be to Jesus Christ, who offered himself as a sacrifice in order to take away our sins to, to the end that 
or to the intent that our original nature is restored back to us. And we shall be one with God again. Let us remember that the Spirit of God has been in charge of our lives. Therefore, ever since uh, the creation, in, in, and, and, and I've said that he was an active agent in our creation, but he is also the active agent, I mean, um, agent of our salvation. He is the one who keeps us going. So he, and he's, he's in charge of overseeing uh, our lives, uh, you know, day and night. But his main work is to take care of our spiritual being. Paul reviews that the spirit groans with us even as he intercedes in prayer on our behalf. In so doing, Paul has revealed a most important truth that should cause us all to come down to our senses with regard to prayer. I say this because we have people among us who are called prayer warriors and intercessors to whom some Christians go for special prayers. I have nothing, well, that's their choice. I have no fight with them or quarrel with them. But they do this in the belief that the prayers of these people are not only more effective and powerful, but they are, these, their prayers actually, you know, fly straight to heaven uninterrupted. Now, we know from what has been written in this Bible that in spite of our eloquence in prayer, in spite of ourselves setting up as, you know, prayer giants and prayer warriors, we don't even know what we are praying for. Our prayers are just like the senseless utterings of an infant baby in the eye, in the ears of an adult. So the Spirit takes our incoherable, incoherent utterings and translates them into something <laughs> that makes sense, that can be communicated to God. And so let us rejoice in, in God that he wants us to pray to him, but he also, you know, comes in into us and ships our prayers in a manner that would make these prayers accept, acceptable to him in his presence. All right, when we, we pray, let us pray just the way we can. Let us just uh, talk in our normal language. And there's no heavenly prayer language. But the Holy Spirit will take whatever we are saying, even what is in our hearts. In fact, that is a secret. The Holy Spirit knows what is in our hearts even before we have spoken out. And he takes these prayers and they are answered. Dear friends, let us learn to humble ourselves before God, therefore. Our scripture is reminding us that we are still work in progress. That means we are not complete yet. The reality is we are hopelessly weak.
and lacking in knowledge and wisdom. And we can do nothing for ourselves. Therefore, another scripture tells us, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Let us therefore learn to remain focused on the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. Praise be to God. Amen. Father, we thank you for giving us your word today. This word is intended to transform our thinking. It's intended to transform our lives completely so that we continue to become from day to day like you. We pray, O oh God, that we shall then be humble enough to accept the fact that we don't know what we can even pray for. That we cannot become Christians nor live like Christians by our own strength or our own knowledge or wisdom. We are totally dependent on you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who comes into our lives to help us to be the kind of people that you, God, intended it for us to be. Blessed be your holy name now and forevermore. Amen. This book is just tremendous. We have wholeheartedly obeyed the new teaching and trusted you. If God had not breathed into Adam's nostrils, Adam would have remained just a lump of dust. How should we then treat the Bible? All of us are sinners and saved only by grace. For worship, we were created. And for worship, we should ever live. Jesus died for our sins. And so, now that we have put our faith in Him, He takes away our sins.